Welcome to Who Who Hail Season 2, Episode 4. We didn't really think we would get an Episode 4, right? Like everything else in this COVID year, we thought we might be canceled. Yes, everything during the COVID year, but I would also say after the Indiana-Michigan football game, I did not think that we would have any more episodes, Jeff. Well, to be fair, your I mean, you as a co-host were really gracious, at least that week. You haven't been that gracious today. I mean, <laughs> Oh, just just for our listeners, Kathy's been telling a lot of underhanded jokes about Michigan football, which is fair enough because I tell the same jokes about Indiana basketball. Um, but to be fair, on so the Michigan Indiana game was November seventh, which I famously took a long walk instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was gracious enough to offer to record on November thirteenth, which was the eve of. The next game, but it was Friday the 14th and somehow, I guess, you know, the podcast gods and um, the internet just wouldn't cooperate. So we tried four or five times, right, to get off the mm-hmm. – and that never happens to us, right? We, we usually just do one take. Yeah. It just wasn't happening that day. I think um, I think while we were recording, like, we messed up bad enough that we wanted to start over. And then while starting over, like the, the my internet went out and then it was just kind of a series of things like that where it was like, you know what? I'm tired. Clearly the gods don't want us to do this today. So it's just not happening. I guess probably better than, you know, my sort of upset thoughts about the program uh, being put on tape because we've, we've had <laughs> that enough of that. But um, so today, I guess the first opening question I have is, this is going to be a basket football cast and we're going to do both. And so my question for you, my lovely co-host is should we do the fun part first or the sad part first? You know what? Let's end on a high note. Let's do the sad part first, but But, sad for who? Yeah. And that's the big question, right? So I guess clearly for me right now uh, with Michigan basketball being right now that's the happy part with a little bit of a i guess it's a little bit you know sprinkled with maybe a little bit of like risk going forward uh since our defense is a little iffy um but then you know michigan state tom izzo is currently trending on twitter and they were tied with detroit mercy mm-hmm. uh at the half and so he was yelling at rocker watts the whole game um so so i guess it's not you know when you're clunkers, right? Um, so, so Michigan basketball is definitely happy, and then Michigan football is definitely endless pathos and sadness. But that's been the case since the first game of the year versus Alabama. Um, so that's definitely happy and sad for me. But what is it for you? I would say the complete opposite. I mean, IU football um, has made me so happy. I mean, I think whatever happens going forward. I'm so happy with what we've done so far this year that I'm okay. I mean, we don't know, right, with Penix being out for the rest of the season. Obviously, there is more to the team than just Penix. I think we still have a decent shot at beating Wisconsin if the cards fall into place, and I definitely think we can beat Purdue. Um, And if Ohio State misses a game and, and the Big Ten doesn't favor them completely and change all the rules that they set up for this year, then IU still has a really good shot at winning the Big Ten championship. So I, I don't know. Um, I'm optimistic, but I'm also just happy with where we are. 
Basketball, I, on the other hand, oh, go I, ahead. I will say, um, yeah, that I watched the, you know, a lot of people, including our buddies over at Salt Verbal, and we're mm-hmm. toasting to them today because we're having some whiskey, um, like their brew Q and A um, podcast <laughs> for Patreons, which I really, I really do love. Um, but they were, they kept saying like, I think Ty loves this secondary win statistic or something like that. Like basically how good the teams are. I'm totally butchering this, but it's a statistic that basically evaluates the quality of the wins. And before the Ohio state game, they were really, or Ty was really skeptical, I think. And Dan was on for -hmm. Indiana, but I I think, think and I think watching the, we all watched the Indiana Ohio state game. And I think everyone sold on Indiana after that game Um, to lose by one touchdown when I can spot sort of three, four, maybe five plays where if the three or four plays had gone a different way, like 50, 50 plays, that's like 17, 21, mm-hmm. 28 points, you know, until you lose by one touchdown. I think in order to beat a team like Ohio state with such a talent disparity, you really have to have everything go right. Yeah. Um, but to, you know, to be down so much and then to come right back up, they really, they were a play away, honestly, two, two plays away. Cause one play would have tied it. And uh, there were some plays that were almost like a 14 point swing. So maybe one or two plays away. Um, so, so they definitely are for raw. So that can be your happy for sure. But you're going to tell us, I guess, maybe I'll tell you more about that game. Cause I watched it and you're on a flight, right? So. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I watched every moment I could. And, and, and funny thing here, I obviously couldn't watch during takeoff and landing, but the second I could on my flight, um, I was definitely, I think when we, when we started to come back or maybe when we scored to make it seven, seven, I want to say at some point, um, I definitely cheered loudly in my seat and not on purpose, but um, right after I did that, the guy next to me uh, put on his headphones. Um, (laughs) So I I feel bad about that, but it was just an immediate reaction. I couldn't help it. Yeah, no, I think definitely deservedly so. So that's happy. And tell tell me about the sad or maybe not that sad, right? A little bit sad? Um, It's, it's a, uh, it's, it's a cautious like I'm cautious. I think I feel sadness coming. I, it might be imminent. I don't want to say that. That's not fair. It, it might sadness is possible. Great sadness is definitely possible, but we just don't know yet. And- Have the sort of being, I guess, one of the downside. So Kathy has an amazing sort of curated list of IU commentators and personalities on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I kind of you know. In full disclosure, I created the list, but <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, I look at it sometimes um, to sort of get a cheat sheet on how the game is going if I'm like not watching the IU basketball game uh, because I honestly I'm not I would say I'm not an IU basketball fan as you know I'm like a IU basketball hater um, mm-hmm. despite all the great moments we've had but I I can be sort of an unabashedly IU football fan for sure um, but so my question to you is um, do you think you know, obviously I know, and, and, and the reason for it is because I've been, I've actually been introduced to IU basketball since my freshman year, uh, since I've been watching IU basketball since 2005. Um, and, and this is something that I actually haven't told you before, but uh, one of my freshman good friends was one of those vehement Indiana friends, uh, Indiana oh, fans. Okay. 
like he was like a Bobby Knight. Like he would yell his head off. Like he would cuss. He would like throw things. You know, like when we watched the Bobby Knight documentary, those people, mm-hmm. you're like, who are these people? And he was one mm-hmm. of those people. Okay. Um, Midwest kid didn't really fit into Dartmouth. Um, but so I definitely got a taste of the vitriol and the vehemence. Like I never, I never met such an angry sports fan before. He was always <laughs> angry. And I guess that makes sense, right? I mean, from 2005, I think it was some some kind of like mix of, and we've talked about the identity of the IU basketball program, like the mix mm-hmm. of mix of the, you know, glory days, the conflict with Bobby Knight, like trying to get back there, trying to win a six star um, on the gear. But so my question to you is, uh, given that you're sort of cautious and I almost feel like anything for IU football including the Gator Bowl, you can just be unabashedly excited, right? Because mm-hmm. it feels like anything's icing, right? Yes. So um, have you sort of inherited that tortured IU basketball fan from the list and from the community as a fan, just like, you know, interacting with everybody? I guess that's my <laughs> question. Has it, it sounds like, because for you to say you're cautious, um, and, and you always have this flip, right? Like when you're in football season and your basketball season, you always have that flip. But so my sense is that what you're saying to me as a basketball fan is a little different from what it was before. And so I, I wanted to ask you sort of take your temperature as an IU basketball fan. Has that sort of, has that sort of expectations crushing sort of similar to Michigan football, actually, like, you know, being a fan comes with a lot of baggage and it sounds like you have more baggage than you have than you had last year starting basketball season. I think that's fair. When we went on that streak of, oh my gosh, how many losses was it? Was it 12 it was like, or 13? It was like 13, but it wasn't like 13 straight. Or I think this yeah. is us at um, us at Renslayer. Yeah. Me finding the, the Yelp bottom. bar out of the picture mm-hmm. on Yelp and getting a TV rock bottom. And you took a poor picture of the Minnesota player and <laughs> put it on Twitter and said rock bottom. And I said, listen, like he's having a good moment. Don't like put on Twitter rock bottom, take a photo of an IU player and put it up <laughs> from the game. Um, but yeah, so sorry to interrupt, but that was a fun Oh no, I, it was a fun moment, but I wouldn't say I'm scarred. This is the thing. I'm not, like I didn't grow up watching IU basketball, even though You should have though. Like you should have. I definitely should have. You should have read the star, right? You should have read the, oh, the I, I missed concept. out on like 20 good years of, of right. Indiana basketball. Right. Which but it's is, also hard. Great. Like if you're a, you know, a young lady- growing up in a Carmel household and none of your parents went to IU, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's sort of like weird, right? Like I I think the world kind of changes when you get accepted at 17, Yeah, but to follow before might be a lot. That's true. That's true. But um, so I don't have that like lifelong baggage that I, I can see a lot. I think it's more apparent in, in chats um, and when you read comments of articles, because I would say in terms of media, and I would say most of the people on the list are some form of media. For the most part, there are some very like smart fans that I follow, but media members tend to keep their cool. They're they're usually pretty optimistic. And it's so interesting listening to someone from the IU media side's take versus, for instance, with Jeff, when we listened to that Michigan podcast when they did Around the Big Ten and hearing their take on Indiana it's so different. I felt like listening to that Michigan podcast grounded me a little bit and kind of set my expectations to be maybe a bit more realistic, maybe even a little pessimistic, you know, just kind of, we'll see what happens. But as you said too, 
I am still kind of all football and not 100% bought into basketball yet. Like I'm watching the games, but I don't count down the minutes to a basketball game like I do for football. And At least part not of, yet. Part of, part of it is that by design, there's like sort of 12 games. This year, you'll have 13 or 14 if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas basketball, there's more. Although I think this COVID year is weird because it's like there are no guarantees. So I'm sort of clinging to every basketball game as it's mm-hmm. as if it's our last, given what yeah. happened at the Big Ten tournament. Yes. But I, I do want you to sort of put a pin in how you feel as you're sort of growing basketball fandom. I'd say, you know, I, I'd say you're definitely more of a football fan at this moment. Um, but yes. we've but but it's it's really like fifty point one percent, honestly. Like, you know, if you sum it up through the course of the year, like you can get really excited. You can, you know, but, but I think one of the ongoing conversations that we have is about you coming to the basketball program at this stage, you know, after all of that and, uh, and, 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 and how that sort of fits in, how do you sort of confront the very heavy, both like heavy is in the way that heavy is the crown where you have five stars, five titles, but also mm-hmm. heavy is the Bobby Knight sort of national controversy obsession, right? And so under, in the face of that, becoming a basketball fan and sort of what to expect, what to do, um, I, I, I guess I, I'm interested to hear sort of to continue this conversation with you and chat with you because it's been really interesting for me as an outsider to observe that. Mm-hmm. Well, now that I have the signed basketball from Bobby Knight, um, I'm all Bobby Knight. <laughs> yeah, like, what's your feeling? I mean, uh, I, not to get you to commit on that, um, but but since we have this long-running conversation, knowing what you know yeah. now and the conversation, sort of, well, what what is your gut reaction on sort of how, I guess the fairest way to ask the question is, um, since you're a new fan too, right? Mm-hmm. In 2020... And I'll give my answer too, um, in a second after you give yours. But in 2020, how should Indiana Hoosiers, the program, but also um, you, Kathy, as an Indiana basketball fan, um, how should you sort of relate to Bobby Knight? Like, do you embrace him? Do you keep your distance? Do you invite him back? Do you acknowledge what he's done? Like, there, there. I feel like there's a hundred things that you know, a hundred ways that the program and you as a fan, um, how you elect to engage with Bobby Knight. And I am interested to hear your take on both, like the program and you as sort of a burgeoning fan. Um, they can be the same, they can be different. Um, but but what, like in, in the first, the program would be like, do we invite him back? Do we, you know, and, and Michigan has a similar thing with Chris Weber, mm-hmm. um, but different because he didn't coach. He wasn't in a position of authority right? Which changes a little bit. Um, yeah. but, but I'm interested to hear sort of what you think the program should do with Bobby Knight and what you as a fan would do. I mean, I bought you the basketball, but that mm-hmm. aside. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's start with the program and then we can talk about me. So with the program, I mean, I think they handled it perfectly last year. Um, you know, they have been trying for a while to get him to come back. I love the fact that he came back it was a ceremonious thing. Unfortunately, he had to come back to a game where we lost to Purdue at home. Um, but and can you do our like the quotation? Can you still do it? The censored quotation to Purdue? 
Do you still remember oh, it? <laughs> I don't remember it. It was just like, we're not losing another effing game, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, but of course, from that famous quotation, but yeah. you guys made him suffer through a loss, never do you? Really? Yes, we did. We that did. Is, and it was an is, ugly loss, too. That is so terrible. Like, we needed to, like, play that quotation on loop in the locker room, right? I'm sure they did that. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think the program did the right things. I mean, they're clearly – they have been tr- clearly trying to get him back for a while. It took a lot. And I think it was really the players from that time period, so the 80s, I think Isaiah Thomas, et cetera, they're the ones who ultimately convinced him, along with Scott Dolson, the current athletic director. I heard he had a big hand. So I think I is doing well. I mean, he did so much for the program. He is a legend. Um, just kind of, I mean, Bobby Knight is not coaching right now. He's not, you know, think what you will, any, any reasons for why he was fired. None of that stuff is happening now. I think it's fine that we associate him with the program. He did so much. He was an important part of history. Um, you know, let him come back as much as he wants to. He'll always be celebrated. So that's how I think the program should handle it. Um, in terms of me, so my relationship with Bobby Knight has drastically changed. So my first exposure to him um, was really the last days of night, that documentary. Well, I mean, and, sleeping through it five times. But yes, eventually sleeping through five times. You have finally watched it, right? Like from beginning to end? I still don't think I've finished it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's but, on your list. Like before yeah. we record next, you must do it. Because yeah. now that we've okay. spent like okay. 20 minutes talking to it. So let's let's do that. Yes, I will. Um, I I did not. Oh no, no, I remember oh. where we are. Like we, because like the the um the the hook. I, I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, but where we are is the hook of the show is this ESPN guy, which we didn't know why, finds a box and he decides yes. to open the box, and that's his sort of explanation for why he's bringing up this story 20 years later. And it sounds like. And he, they, and it, and we talked a lot about sort of documentary ethics because they clearly, even though, because when I was younger, I thought, oh, a documentary is factual, right? Like a, a movie mm-hmm. is fictional, but actually, documentaries often have slants and angles, right? And yes. this one had a huge slant where it's like, I think they're trying to in opening the box. One of the big slants, and I don't know if this is legitimate or not, is they're trying to say that there's a culture of silence around the program, right? Like yeah. prior athletes, prior students, no one would talk to him. No one would like be on the record. And because of this guy's power and because of the passion of the fan base, if you spoke, you'd be ostracized, right? And so that whole slant goes all the way to the buildup where like finally you do see the clip where he slaps the player, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, then, and then it's like, it's like, but before that, there's like sort of, I don't know, 40 minutes of footage where it's like, are we going to play it? Do we get it? Do we have the footage? Is he going to appear on the record? He went overseas. He don't want to talk about it. He's crying. He's, you know, and then they show the footage and then it's kind of kind of a shocking moment because it's like, we never thought that we'd actually see it because of the build up, right? right? And right. then, and I think yeah. that's how far we got, right? Like we, yes. we saw the actual footage and we like, we did. And then there's the <gasps> gasp moment, right? And, and mm-hmm. that's, that's, I think that at least we got to there. Right. We did. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I remember now. Okay. Uh, and, and that, and, and the, the way that I've described it, is that sort of how, how you took in the documentary too? Like, have I overshadowed it or? No, I, I, that is how I took it in. Okay. 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 So continue. So that's where we are. Yeah. So of course that being my one exposure, um, I, my feelings toward him weren't great. 
um, they were just kind of like, wow, like, you know, you can't treat people like that. Um, I get that winning is important. Um, having a winning culture is important. And, you know, you do what you need to do to demand what you need from your players, but there's a right way and a wrong way to go about it. And and that's how I felt. It wasn't strong, um, but I, I didn't love Bobby Knight um, based off that documentary. Okay. Um, and since then, you know, I actually did a series of of podcast um, episodes with the other podcasts that I do with Hoosier Heartland with a guy who knows basketball history better than anyone I know. Um, this this person um, started attending games in the 50s. So he knows a lot about Bobby Knight. And so we talked about each of the, the coaches. Oh, sorry. We talked about each of the five championships that IU had won. And Bobby Knight was obviously a part of um, – three of them. So, so hearing that, hearing what he did for the program, I, um, even had a chance to talk to a player that used to play for Bobby Knight. And I could tell he, uh, had a lot of respect for him. Um, and and really appreciated the time. I think Bobby Knight really, really did care deep down about the people and making sure that they turned into good men, got good grades, you know, spent, you know, their time at IU wisely. So I, I have a lot more respect. Do I agree with every single thing he did? No, I think there were some comments, some actions that were inappropriate, but I think overall he did so much for the program and he really did a lot for the guys that played for him. Um, that I, I'm, I'm pro Bobby Knight after doing some, having some more education. So I have one question for you and then I'll tell Mm -hmm. you sort of my take as an outsider. Um, but my one question for you is, do you buy the narrative and maybe this is like, you didn't live through it contemporaneously. So you might have to like ask people and talk to them more, but do you buy the narrative that as modernity happened, like as time went by, you know, as he had less of a control over the program, less results, like, you know less sort of like a military has a military background control on players. Younger kids don't listen as much. Like I, I guess the two factors are one, he isn't getting the same results. And two, he doesn't have the same control over his players because like of modern times and American parenting and like millennial kids, whatever. Um that the results and the lack of control over players led to him being more and more angry. Uh and so his anger issues, that's sort of what caused the hiccups towards the end. Like, is that a narrative that's persuasive to you? Or are you still sort of like, that's never appropriate no matter what? Or I don't know why he did that. I'm not going to give that a justification. Like, what what's your sort of take on on like on that? Because I, I that's I, I'm sort of struggling with that. Like I think the mm-hmm. documentary definitely tries to plug that angle. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know. I mean, who knows, right? Unless yeah, you weren't there. Like, there. we always talk about, like, why did celebrities do a certain thing? You don't know. Like, you weren't there. You weren't behind closed doors. You don't know. But I guess just wanted to hear your gut take on that documentary angle. Oh, for the document. I mean, I think. Like, he got angrier because he was losing and because right. he didn't have as much control. I, guess. I mean, and that's why. 
if I had to take an educated guess, I mean, that clearly had to be at least some part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's the whole story, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the documentary was well done and, mm-hmm. you know, it's credible. So I, I think it's at least a part of the story, if not a, 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 a big part of the story, but we don't know that. Um, but you you do hear stories about, I know um, one of the things that caused Bobby Knight to, to really be reviewed was after he actually didn't flip out on, on a player, but he flipped out on a random fan who came up to him and said, I think he said like, hi, Bobby, um, how's it going? And Bobby Knight flipped out and I forget if he said like, oh, he said, hey, Knight, how you doing? And and Bobby Knight was like, you never call me that. Like I'm coach um, or I'm Mr. Knight, you know, like just flipped out um, to the point where the boy like felt like he was verbally abused. So, um, you know, I mean, it's, I don't think it's ever appropriate to act like that to anyone, um, no matter how much you feel like you were disrespected. So yeah, it's, it's not justifiable, but you know, I, I, I'm guessing that the, some of the reasons portrayed in the documentary are probably at least partially true if I had to take an educated guess. Yeah. So here's my take and then we can sort of move away. So, um, and by no means am I sort of putting Tom Izzo in the same category as Bobby Knight, mm-hmm. but Tom Izzo is the coach that we watch a lot, right? And we see yes. his interactions with his players and he's famously, I would say Tom Izzo is definitely in, if you had to make a top five list of coaches in the country, basketball coaches, and that top five list could have like all sort of top five or top 10 lists that top five lists might have eight people on it, you know, like depending on sort of what, what the five, the criteria of the five are right. And, and depending on who you pull, but if you mm-hmm. sort of averaged out everyone's top five list, he would definitely be on the top eight. You, you agree with that? I would. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so of those coaches, there are some that don't coach as much like coach Cal, Although this year he seems to be coaching that a bit more. Um, but it's like he like gets five five stars, rolls out the ball, and lets him play, right? Mm-hmm. And then there are some coaches that coach a lot. And we've seen Tom Izzo. He is kind of like more of a um, – I, I don't want to say violent because Bobby Knight was actually violent. But like Coach Izzo is definitely like – at least he's verbally aggressive, right? Yeah. And I think – for us, we saw, you know, at the end of the tournament, his player winning them winning the Big Ten tournament. We we saw, you know, who's that? Who's that dumb guy who shoots all the threes? Oh, Matt McQuaid. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> like the way that I've described him is how a Michigan fan would describe him. <laughs> <laughs> but like Matt McQuaid was like yelled at, right? Like we, we yeah. saw clips of like you know Izzo's like tapping his chest hard and. You know, but the you watch the Big Ten tournament and the entire there are like ten thousand people in the arena back when we could still go to games, which I miss a lot, incidentally. Yeah. Um, but he like he doesn't get the game ball, he doesn't like hug his players, he doesn't hug, like shake hands with the other side. He like the whole building, he goes to find Tom Izzo and then he like jumps and give him a bear hug, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. and Tom Izzo's like almost we we be. And like Matt McQuaid gives him a bear hug. And I and I was joking with you. I was like, that was probably the only time that Tom Izzo lets McQuaid hug him. 
Like I'm sure, like, <laughs> I'm sure, like Matt McCaig is like trying to hug Izzo all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so my thought on tough coaching is, and we've we've talked about this multiple times, um, is that um, um, nowadays it's pretty common knowledge, right? Like we talk about how like recruiting involves going to a living room, telling mom yeah. and dad, listen, the four most important years of your kid's life. Not just, you know, can they go to the NBA or NFL or, you know, but also shaping that person in college to become a man. Like that conversation is in the living room, right? And I think even back in, and I think a lot of college athletes share this perspective. So it's like you go to play for Izzo, eyes wide open. You know, you know how he runs the program. You know what we're signing up for. It's very different if you go to play for Beeline because that's like a, more like a, he's like a nerdy gentleman, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just yeah. a different program. Although Beeline can be just as tough, you know, just in a different way. And so if you go to play for a coach, you do it eyes wide open. So I would say the two caveats with respect to Bobby Knight are, one, maybe because of what we said about him going off the rails and becoming different, it might be not what you sign up for. Yeah. You know, like, because he yeah. got more angry. And then second is like, it definitely some of the stuff he did definitely crossed the line, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, I'd say ninety five percent, not maybe eighty five percent of the people who play for play for Bobby Knight knew what they were getting into, and eighty five percent of what Bobby Knight did was exactly what they expected. Yeah, you think yeah. that's true? That's fair I think enough. Eighty five percent of people, eighty five percent of things. I think that's true. Yeah, so that's that's my view, and it's like it's like no one. You know, if you don't want to play for Izzo, go play for Duke. Go play for, you know, go mm-hmm. play for Calipari. Go play for, you know, you have options. It's not like you don't have options. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, that's probably a really good um, start uh, to the Indiana basketball season. And uh, just looking back to looking forward, and I'll ask you more questions um, along these lines throughout, um, especially uh on the games um but why don't you why don't let's do it this way so i will talk about the first michigan game okay you can talk about the sec you can talk about the first indiana game yeah uh and then um i will talk about the other two games and then you can talk about the maori invitational and i can tell archie jokes as you talk about the maori (laughs) okay that sounds good uh all right so the first Michigan game was versus Bowling Green basketball. And as is typical for Hoo Hoo Hale, we think, you know, you watch the games. If you haven't, you can look up a box score. Like that's not sort of what we're here to do, right? What we're here to do is to talk about the people, the storylines going into the game, storylines coming out of the game and rooting for the people. Mm-hmm. And so I think Bowling Green, interestingly enough, is the preseason Mac favorite and Mac is a good sort of one tier down conference. Um, and uh, so they're, they weren't sort of your typical cupcake though. They're like kind of like a harder opponent than we would have yeah. played normally going into the game. Uh, we lose X or point guard. So mm-hmm. our offense looks very different. And then we also lose Teske. So our big man in the middle also looks very different. Um, the, I guess the upside is, 
those are essentially two non-shooting players uh, in our lineup, right? So 40% of our lineup doesn't shoot. Um, but then X is kind of like a maestro in coordinating the offense. And we love Teskey Sunburn. That's our name for him. Because <laughs> he always like looked sunburned. Um, but so we, we didn't have them. And, uh, and so our, the big sort of who we do have is we have friends who I talked to you on the, we had a really interesting conversation about like one, two, three, four, five, the, the five positions, but so we lose our one. Um, and then our two is a six ten guy who's a shooting guard, Franz Wagner, which gives us some sort of positionless basketball move around. Um, our three is Isaiah Livers, right? Small forward. He's actually listed as a forward. So, and it's funny because Franz is actually listed as a guard. So, we're, we're, that's I, that's no joke. Like what I said about the two and the three. It's like for mm-hmm. real. Uh, and then um, our four is probably, I don't know, probably uh, sometimes it's Brandon Johns. Um, sometimes Isaiah Livers slides over. Uh, and our starting center is Austin Davis, who was Teskey's backup like workhorse three star, not super talented. And so going into the game, the big questions were what is our point guard going to be like and who's our center? Um, Cause Colin yeah. Castleton transferred to Florida and Brandon Johns is sort of like Michigan tried different things with him, like power forward center, but he's really a power forward. I don't think that, you know, in a small lineup he can play center, but um, so uh and, and Austin Davis, could he, as a workman, be the good center? Could he not? And so the I guess what this game really did for Michigan was to really establish what the new line, new lineup, new look looks like. And so um, we got Columbia point guard transfer Mike Smith, and we were really excited about him. And then we got Wake Forest transfer. Chandy Brown. Mm-hmm. These are our two good transfers. And I think listening to all the different po- podcasts, the two really interesting things that I learned is, and this is kind of interesting, Kathy, for like evaluating transfers. But the first one is we talked about already is these guys were high scorers on bad teams. Oh, yeah. They were, mm-hmm. they were the number one option. And so can they tailor their sort of game to shooting less? Because Mike Smith and Chani Brown might be option three or four behind Isaiah Livers um, and Franz. So if you're the number one guy, can you gel? And I think three games in, the answer is definitively yes. Like Mike Smith and Chani Brown are very excited to be part of something that they can actually maybe win and go deep and do something real. Yeah. Whereas at Columbia or Wake Forest, you might not go very deep and being the, the guy on that team might not be the best. Yeah. And so Mike Smith looks great. Like his defense is a little iffy, but he's definitely um, been able to sort of pass the ball, but also pick moments to score. And then Chani Brown has been a killer three-point shooter. It's going to come down to earth, but he's really scoring off the ball really well. So our transfers are great. The second thing um, that was a really interesting way to evaluate transfers um, which I found very helpful was number one, um, if you pretended that they were a freshman recruit, mm-hmm. what what recruit would they be ranked? Is this a top fifty recruit? Is this a five star recruit? Is this a top ten recruit? 
And then second, they're kind of a one and done because they're a grad transfer. So if you think of them as like a one and done freshman recruit, but the third thing is they have a couple of years of college experience, maybe that's in a lesser conference. Yeah. So it's even better than that, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a really good way. So Shawnee Brown would be a top 50 one and done. So we have him like yeah. added to the team. That's amazing, right? And so that's a very helpful way for me to think about like the impact of a grad transfer. Um, so yeah, so that's great. Franz, you saw that picture and we were joking that you should go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's a guy called Coach Sanderson is our strength coach. And Camp Sanderson, they take like a before and after picture of the summer workout. And friends, like, what was your opinion on the pictures? Oh, from boy to man, 100%. <laughs> and you want that same boy to man workout plan, right? <laughs> I do. I, I want whatever coach he's had, whatever he's doing. I want yeah, to do it. And like, put Kathy through it. Um, yeah. And so Bowling Green's a good team. We learned. And then I think the really good thing is, I think um, Hunter Dickinson, our freshman center, is the real deal. Yes. Um, so yes. he, like, is so good. And he's such a great passer. He may already be the best passer on the team because you don't have like a pure point guard out of the post. Definitely the best post passer on the team. Yeah. And he like is just beasting guys like left and right in all three games. Um, he was the reason why we won two of the games, I think. So um, I had a couple, I had a uh, a comment and then yeah. a question. So, okay. So my comment is, and this is a joke, after you saw me work out, a week ago, do you think I would survive with Franz's I think, coach? I think Camp Sanderson, you'd probably like, you probably need like a pre count to do Camp Sanderson. Yeah. <laughs> and then even during that count, you might throw up a lot. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like run laps until you throw up. Um, but, uh, but I think it would do you some good. <laughs> All right. And then my other thought, and I, I think I, I know the answer, but you hear some Michigan fans asking, um, Hunter Dickinson to be a starter as opposed to Austin Davis. And I want to hear your thoughts on that. I personally disagree. I think Austin Davis has kind of earned that spot, you know, by putting in the experience in the years and, you know, working with Juwan and, and whatnot. Um, but I'm curious to hear what you think. So your team actually had a lot of problems with that yeah. a couple years ago, like the Korean guys versus the Archie guys. Yep. That was like a big problem, right? Yeah, I think so. Here's how I think about it. So, number one is you want to give your team the best chance to win. Yeah, right. You want your team to have the best chance to win, and part of that might be having a good six man second lineup, depending on how you coach. And part of it might be you start your best team. Sometimes teams like have a little spark plug as your six man that comes off the bench, right? So. So it's not always true that you start your top five players uh, yeah, because you have exactly. to think about bench lineups and things like that. And, and and you and I were talking about that in the context of the Lakers trying to save LeBron and um, LeBron and Unibrow from sort of a long season after their long season, right? They have a short mm-hmm. off season. So, so they're really thinking about the second lineup, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's true, but you want to win games, right? But then the second thing is, the other part of winning games, and that's why I brought up the Korean guys and the Archie guys, you have to maintain the morale of the team, right? And so if like, you know, a young hotshot freshman comes in and I'm thinking, I've been reading a lot about Kobe on the championship teams. Uh, okay. So I read 
this book, Three Ring Circus, which is about uh, Kobe as a rookie until the end of the three-peat and then the Lakers getting beat by the Pistons in the finals. So that's mm-hmm. the, I think it's like 1998 to 2004. And it's really interesting because I'm reading Three Ring Circus immediately followed by Phil Jackson's diary on the last season, which is that Pistons mm-hmm. season. So it's actually really interesting because I hear the outsider take on all the interviews of those eight years. And then I'm reading Coach's own memoir, Interior Monologue, right after that, which is a really mm-hmm. great way to do it. Uh, and there's like a lot of stuff about sort of Kobe sabotaging his teams. And, he, you know, he, he was kind of a jerk. Like in the first <laughs> title run, he was kind of a jerk. And then a year in the wild playing with like Smush Parker <laughs> as his point guard, he really knew what he missed. And then they brought Phil back. And then when they brought Phil back, it was like, okay, I know what I missed. Like, I'm never going to do that again, you know? Yeah. Um, so he really learned and he, I don't think you can ever say Kobe mellowed out. <laughs> He's still a jerk, <laughs> but he kind of <laughs> knew that he had to be professional. Whereas when he was young, he was like, I'm just going to be a gunner and shoot yeah. as much as I want. So you kind of have to manage that with freshmen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think Hunter has that personality. He seems no. like a, like a, a ready to work guy, but, yeah. but, but the point is that the point I'm trying to make is that the Lakers struggled a lot with this hotshot rookie and the veterans and playing time and all that, which kind of aligns with what you said about sort of having earned it. Yeah. And so practically speaking, it is a meritocracy. And I think the way that Juwan is doing it is like, you know, we'll let Austin start. We'll let him play. Hunter can come in. Hunter's killing it. We'll let Hunter play more. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually Hunter will outgrow Austin Davis yes. in the lineup. But then yeah. the other thing you have to remember is that freshmen might not be attuned to the rigors of like a 25, 30 game season. So they might fade a little bit and that happens yeah. to you. Like, and so who knows, right? Like maybe he has legs for all of it. Maybe he doesn't, but they haven't played sort of as long as tough a season before. Um, and so that's why you got to keep feeding him. So he does well in all the games. Yeah. But didn't he make a tired, right? You know? And yeah, so I'm just so, joking. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for our listeners, Kathy just realized, Kathy was like, why is that? Why are they saying feed him? I want to be fed. more like does does that mean he wants to get bigger it's like no you want to pass the ball to the big man like feed him the ball not feed him food no i want no i thought it was like he's doing so well feed him like let's go get him a steak after the game that's what i thought i want a steak yeah it's so funny that that that, that, obviously your mind goes back to food it's so great um but yeah so i think the bowling green game was great like it really you know it raised some questions about our defense but mike and sean d are great like transfers amazing really worked out because transfers from that level up might not always work you know especially Mm -hmm. since it's like the man like they might have to shoot too much or whatever but both mike and chandy are so unselfish and they both have this uncanny ability to pass the ball and shoot at the right moments and defer like the 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 role being the man on a bad team versus being like on michigan where you're the number four option the role between like when to defer and pass and when to take the shot. Like you might defer too much. Mm-hmm. You may not shoot enough or you might shoot too much. And Mike and Chandy are doing a phenomenal job of that. Like yeah. just passing the ball. And part of it is Juwan's offense. So like everyone gets a shot. Like it doesn't matter. Like I heard this absurd quote on a Michigan podcast and I wanted to smack the guy. Like he was like, oh, since everyone 
this is like what you say. Oh, it just magically happens. <laughs> so he was like, since everyone was so open to shoot the ball, there wasn't a good shot. Like every shot was good. Like it didn't matter who shot the ball. And I was like, uh, that's so dumb because it's like, there's a reason why they're open. It's because the offense is good and they're all good shots, but it doesn't, that doesn't happen. Like if you don't have that sort of defer shoot thing handled, right. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Right. So every shot is a good shot. That's not actually true. It's like the offense is working and getting the ball to people in the right places. Like that's what's happening. Um, anyway, so very optimistic, you know, the two transfers work great. Um, Sean D again is a top 51 and done. And you would take that with top 51 and done with three years of college experience. Like, damn, yeah. you take that any day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hunter's the real deal. So I feel a little bad because watching Arizona State, like Josh Christopher was trending and killing it and amazing. Yeah. And if yeah. he was on this team, we would be a Final Four team. Yeah. Like if Josh Christopher. But, you know, play with his brother. He's happy rooting for him. But, yeah, with Josh Christopher, we'd be a Final Four team for sure. Um, right now, we'd probably be like second round team, third round team maybe. That's my guess. Okay. Um, but that's that's the recap of the first game. And then um, the other two games kind of cement these themes so I can sure talk about it more. But um, okay. you know, talk about Tennessee Tech a little bit. Yeah, I don't have too, too much to say. I mean, we won by 30 points. And I would say IU played really well for about a quarter of it. So, I, Jeff, we watched this game together. Like, the first quarter um, – they were really sluggish. They seemed really sluggish. But then they went on that like 20-0 run um, during the second part of the first half. So actually, like the first half, we outscored them like 48 to 19. And then um, is it true was- that like they they probably like were neck and neck in the second half? Yes. It ended up being 41 to 40 okay. um, in the second half. So, so yeah, it definitely slowed down. I mean, I think our sh- shooting in the second half was really – questionable i mean no surprise there with this team um Uh, hey um actually uh well i mean as someone who doesn't really know much about iu basketball i think let's interrogate that right like why no surprise like why no like i don't know anything about it Why, why no surprise like what do you mean i mean no one on our team can really shoot um, especially from of, outside. Can you talk more about that? Like, who's your shooters? Who are your guards? Like, just just break it down for me a little bit. Like, because you say it like you have background knowledge because you've been following, right? So you say it as like as a fait accompli. But I don't I don't mm-hmm. know anything about sort of like you know how like the way that I talked about my team being like oh who who takes the ball whatever like yeah, I, yeah. I just don't know anything about your team like like why is it a given that they can't shoot? Okay, well, um, you know, like our our veteran guards are our favorite, Al, um, Al Durham, Rob Finnessy, um, and, and so Rob's running the point and Al is the shooting guard. Um, I think that's right. I yep. think that's right. And, yeah. and I am always not on board with Rob being the point guard. Cause I'm like, he doesn't shoot that well and he doesn't pass that well, but he's been getting better. But when I watched him freshman year, I was like, he doesn't have the stuff. And I always hate on him a little bit. Yeah, he's been really quiet this year. Um, yeah. He's he's been. Uh, I heard a lot of people in comments saying he seems really timid. Um, he just hasn't been super aggressive yet, and he actually against Stanford, he had a bunch of turnovers. 
Um, but but he hasn't been like bad. I guess I guess people have been saying they he I guess he hasn't where they thought he would be at this point mm-hmm. um, as a junior. Okay, and then um, again, I told you from freshman the first time we saw him, I was like, yeah. I'm rooting for the kid, but I don't think he has it. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are two veteran guards. Um, Armand Franklin is, I believe, a sophomore now. Um, he's a guard, and he, you know, he's he's good. I mean, he um, really stepped up during the Stanford game um, and looked great. I think that was the first time we kind of really saw him come alive. Um, so he's someone that I hope continues to improve. Um, outside of that, our other two guards are um, freshmen. So, you know, Christian Lander is that five-star, um, you know, really he reclassified to, to play with TJD. So he is really like 17 years old. Um, and I think you can kind of see that on the court. Um, he just needs to kind of warm up, get acclimated to, to playing at this level. Um, and then we've got a guy named Trey Galloway who looked really strong during the first game, um, has been okay. The, the games after that. So, um, it's interesting because we have another guard named Anthony Leal, who is a freshman and is known to be an amazing shooter, but, um, you know, he's obviously a freshman just starting. He either hasn't, you know, gotten the open look from the team or when he does and he knocks it up, um, they haven't gone in. So, so I don't know the improved shooting that we thought we had recruited. We haven't really seen quite yet. Don't you guys have, uh, like, from the Michigan roundup, at least, don't you guys have like a stacked front court? Like your front court is like awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got Trace Jackson Davis. We've got Race Thompson. Um, they're both forwards. But they uh, don't. They're not shooting forwards like Franz. They don't like shoot from that side. No, not really. So it's interesting because TJD is really powerful in the paint. Okay. Um, and I think there was one of the games so far he shot and from mid. Is it right that Brunk is more of a defensive forward? Yeah. Well, Brunk has. A, been he hasn't been able to play yet oh I um see. i but, think but he might that, be hurt but is that true though yes yeah he, he okay. he's the guy that does um he does the little things okay. that really do help and make a difference okay um yeah but during one of the games tjd made a mid a mid-range shot and that was like the biggest deal everyone I was see. like oh my god like if he does that too like he's unstoppable I see. Um, okay, so so that's why you have no like outside shooting. I see. No, we have no outside shooting. I mean, Al and Rob are probably our best ones, and and Al's not a pure shooter. He's more no. like a a rhythm energy kind of guy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so so that was kind of my main takeaway from the game. Um, Can I, I ask you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is just me picking on you a little bit, um, not in a bad way. Just wanting to understand your fandom. So. What was your okay? So, if your excitement level going into the football season on a one one to ten scale is probably an eight, right? Like for this year, because with eight win Indiana, knowing that you guys are going to be pretty good this year, lots of pundits had you guys number two in the Big Ten East, which they were right about, right? Like, and we were pretty. Is it fair to say on a scale of one to ten, starting the football season, your excitement was an eight or even higher? Um, I was really excited. Um, let's say eight because after you saw them play a little bit, it definitely went yeah. up to like oh, nine or nine yeah. and a half, right? That's so let's fair. say let's say eight so that there's a room to run. Okay, if, if, so that would be fair, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so dial it back 
to the Wednesday where we're super excited to have a season because mm-hmm. uh, of super sad that we, you know, you even got one big 10 tournament game, but yeah. it's been a crazy sort of several months for the world. Yeah. Right. Um, and there's a game and we're really excited. How would you on that same scale, how would you before the Tennessee Tech game, how would you say your excitement level for Oof. Indiana basketball was to start? And then you can be honest, like no one's going to hate on you for, you know, <laughs> for like, you know, how yeah. how would just the number gut, you don't have to think too hard about it. Or you can think about it if you'd like. But No, I mean, I think it was like a four or five. Like, okay. like I'd rather have it than not have it. Okay. okay. <laughs> but am I like, like counting down the minutes, reading every article I can? Fair enough. Um, I am not doing that. Okay. So putting aside the Maui Invitational. Yeah. After watching the Tennessee Tech game, did that never uh-huh. change? Um, let me think about how I felt that day. I I think I was still cautiously optimistic. I was probably around a five or six. So it probably went up a little bit where I was like, okay, like I think the freshmen look good. Um, I, I don't know. I wasn't super impressed, but I was also like, okay, like if if the, if things go right, then then we could probably be I felt like realistically mid-range big 10 make the tournament go go a layer or two all right okay fair enough okay interesting okay so I'm going to close out with the other two games um so we played Oakland and we went into overtime and Oakland isn't a very good team um that was our second game and it was kind of like touch and go um and this is I think right after the Penn State loss, right? Uh, in football for me. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, you know, everything's going wrong. Um, <laughs> but uh, they uh, put Hunter Dickinson in and then yeah. Hunter Dickinson dominated the island in overtime. And basically the story of overtime was every time the ball was fed <laughs> To Hunter Dickinson <laughs> instead of stakes fed to Hunter Dickinson, like they have to foul him, right? They they just mm-hmm. kind of stop him. And if you look at the picture, he's like he towers over the Oakland, right? Like, and, mm-hmm. and that's you know really like stars matter, you know, like recruiting stars matter. Like yeah. again, if we have Josh Christopher on the side, that'd be nuts. And Isaiah's hot. That would have been a nuts team. But we'll just have to wait for next year because we have those guys for next year. Yeah, um, yeah, but this year will be good. But it won't be like a nuts team. If we had Josh Christopher, it'd be nuts. Although, I do think that with how ready Hunter looks as a freshman, like he looks ready. Right? Like he 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 could be one of the best centers in Big Ten already as a freshman. Um, just looking at him, and uh, we'll see on the defensive end. Like I'll be really interested to see if he gets the minutes playing Luca Garza. That'd be like a really interesting matchup. Oh, you're right. On yeah. both ends, it'd be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, he just towers over the Oakland guys, and we won in overtime. And so I was explaining to you like when you're clunkers, right? Like when you're clunkers, and you're like, what does that mean? It's because what the solid verbal boys say all the time. Like you might have a bad game, as long as you win, no one's gonna remember. You know, mm-hmm. later on, you already have the one win. So when by ten points, we should have won by like forty, but that's okay. Like I think it gives you take a win like this. It gives sort of the coaches some tape, but it did uh, reveal 
some tendencies. Like I would, as a coach, I would take a game like this because if you win by 40, it's hard to coach. Like, what do yeah. you say? Yeah. But a game like this, you can yell at your players all the time, even though you want. Oh, for sure. So this mm-hmm. is probably better in the long run, but it does reveal like a ceiling for this team. Like, especially in defense, like we get one of these games in the big 10 tournament or the tournament, you know, like it's very possible. So that's game two. Um, game three with ball state was, Oh, by the way, with Oakland, sorry, just, uh, one more thing, which is uh, the question that you said, which is um, like Hunter Dickinson starting or not. Mm-hmm. The reason why I heavily emphasized you got to win the game, they might have lost this game by putting him in too late. Oh, okay. So this is an instance where they had no answers for Hunter Dickinson, but he wasn't playing. Like if he played earlier for 10 minutes, maybe you don't go to overtime. Mm, you know okay. so that's yeah. the problem like with, oh i don't remember seeing him until later you're right exactly mm-hmm. exactly so that might be the problem like you don't start him until it's too late you know yeah. so um so that has anyone after. ever like started someone and then like a minute in switched out all the time all oh the time. okay just because the starter title is something right like it's right. something in the game yeah but i i think as a player i'd take the minutes over the title yeah yeah um and i think most players would because um, yeah. it's considered a demotion, but I think it's about winning. So Austin Davis will get it. You know, like yeah. he's just that much better. Like I think you can watch the tape and you know that there's so much more upside. Like that's just a reality. And so you know, if if I'm starting and Kobe's backing me up, I'm like Kobe should start. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. just how it should be. Um, and then Ball State, like I, it was kind of like a tight game for a bit. Uh, opposite of your Tennessee Tech game kind of type game for a bit and then we kind of the yeah. talent just kind of opened up um and then and then we won by 20 but i i think watching it it didn't feel like that you know um it felt like it was felt a lot closer uh, and then we and then we blew it open um mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. same sort of storylines like really like mike brown's passing as our transfer point guard like i think eli brooks isn't that great uh, no no offense to eli but Mike is definitely a serviceable, more than serviceable, like a great sort of replacement. Very different player than X, very different feeling, but he deserves a spot, you know? And then Chowndee's yeah. just slot himself in at one of the forward spots and is a great scorer from there. Like, and that's what we need. We need some scoring. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. both of them are great. And then Hunter Dickinson, same, same storylines, right? Like Hunter Dickinson killing it. Um, the team is definitely Isaiah Livers' team. Like he's the best player. He's the coach. Yeah. Coach is like the person that the coach yells at when they're playing badly. Yeah. There's this little boo-ha-ha where he yelled at coach and coach yelled at him. That made national news. Oh, and during Oakland. Yeah. And um, But Dickie V had a tweet about it, which is weird because Dickie V doesn't really tweet that much. But Dickie yeah. V tweeted about it. I'm, I'm actually going to find Dickie V's tweet. It's actually funny because he tweeted about like like two days later. Like It, it, like, uh-huh. it was like... I don't even like, you know, know why he tweeted two days later, but uh, I think it was on his mind. I, I don't understand Dickie V. Like, I don't understand anything about him, like why people like him, why. But yeah, he tweeted this, the Oakland game, you said Oakland, right? Oakland yeah. game was November 29th. Uh-huh. So yeah. last night I saw this tweet, December 3rd, 4.25 PM. So like, that's like four <laughs> days later, right? <laughs> So Dickie B says, quote, 
getting challenged by a coach at times can create an emotional moment. My gut tells me, tells, well, just to say the quote, my gut tells more that is what happened between at Joan Howard and his star at Isaiah underscore O2 versus Oakland when at UMich basketball was on the verge of being upset. So his statement was getting challenged by a coach at times can create an emotional moment. And then his last sentence was all I know livers is averaging 20 points per game and shooting 62%. (laughs) This is Dickie V's tweet. So I I guess it kind of, that, I mean, Dickie V probably watches like 100 basketball games and this moment yeah. stuck under his craw and he felt compelled to tweet it like four days later. So uh-huh. <laughs> hello, Dickie V. Um, but that was so, after Isaiah and Juwan were friends again. Oh, yeah, yeah. They came out of the huddle. Yeah. He led the team. You know, I, I don't know. Like lots of people complain about it. Some people were like, it's fine. I don't know. I mean, it's particularly interested, interesting. People were comparing it to um, – what like Izzo like lunged at Aaron Henry, right? Like was that last year? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and then it, that's what I just what I was about to say. Like it's a very interesting juxtapose against our our uh, conversation about coaching, right? Like it's mm-hmm. just very interesting. Um but but I don't think it's a big deal. I think that's great. I think one really interesting thing I saw and that I heard on the podcasts was people and some people are so smart, I never understand this. Um, but People are were like, let's observe who the number two guy is on the team. Like, who's gonna stand up, and uh, who's gonna stand up and um, restrain either person? Mm-hmm. Right, like who's the number two guy? Yeah. And Franz is not of that personality, right? And then you know, like Mike and Shandy are new. Yeah. And Hunter's a rookie. From, yeah. Right? So there's nobody else, right? Like, if it isn't France, there's no one else. Like, if it's Mo, Mo, Mo would be like, sit the fuck down, right? Like, Mo, yeah. Mo's the boss, right? Yeah. Um, so France is just a different personality, younger brother personality. And so the really funny, the really awkward scenario was, and it says a lot about the team, the senior walk-ons were the people who awkwardly had to separate Isaiah Leverson coach. <laughs> That's amazing. So CJ Baird, who's like the guy, like we call him CJ3 because yeah. essentially what we do is we put him outside in like the Wait, why game. couldn't like Austin Davis or Eli Brooks do it? That's the thing. I mean, it's yeah. curious. I don't think Austin has that personality, mm-hmm. right? I Maybe Eli, so but Eli's not doing so hot. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But like CJ is our like, he's like Tuttle last year, right? He's our victory cigar. So mm-hmm. we put him on a team. Like, is he that student manager that everyone yeah, loves? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's the team manager walk-on that comes out and shakes, and he just shoots three-pointers yeah. like, in blowout games. So CJ had to awkwardly separate them. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, it's funny because I'm really glad that I listened to these podcasts because that's an angle I would never have thought. You know how like mm-hmm. me and you, when we watch games, we try to, we were nosy and we try to see what happens. But oh, this is yeah. a good one, right? This is yeah. a good one to observe. And so the final point is that I think it's Isaiah Liverstein. He's the best player, which is great. Like, I think it's a very balanced team because up until this point in the game recaps, I've only talked about Mike, Shandy, and Hunter, right? I've been Mm -hmm. talking like Isaiah, like he's the number four, but he's the number one, right? But the I think the problem is that Franz is starting a little bit slow. Mm -hmm. 
And so we need Franz to shoot. And he isn't shooting that well at the moment. So so the the where this I still stand by sort of the pre, pre, preseason predictions that where this team will go depends a lot on Franz to step up. Like if his game steps up as much as his workout photos, then we'll go deep. <laughs> okay. But so that's the outlook for the season too. Um, okay. Okay. For for me, I think um, no Josh Christopher, but um, yeah. we'll probably top four team the Big Ten, and if Franz elevates his game, we can go far. But you think you'll be top four in the Big Ten? Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. But but okay. otherwise, otherwise, I think like we're like a depending on matchups and with NCAA tournament it's hard to predict, right? It depends on your seating and who you run into. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would say that, you know, if Hunter looks great, Mike and Chandy look great. Like if Hunter doesn't have that much of a freshman swoon um, and assuming fans is just like last year fans, then we might be like around a 32, around a, maybe around a 16 if we get a good draw. But okay. if fans elevates his game, like that picture, um then then we we could go deeper that picture is so symbolic yeah 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 Yeah. so that's the outlook and that's sort of that's it for me on let's see look at time uh 105 we got time we can go a little longer but i just want to announce that announce two things to pre to foreshadow our next sadness segment and then you tell us about the maori invitational and the outlook so I have two headlines here. I'll just, I'm just going to read the headlines with no comment. Okay. Okay. Um, and I, I won't say which order I saw it in because Herbie's in kind of trouble. Kirk Herbstreet's in trouble because Kirk Herbstreet. Oh, like, I, I know what you're talking about. I yeah, saw that. Yeah, he's in trouble because he was like, oh, we're ducking. The you know what? I, I watched that segment live and I don't think the way he said it was that bad. Like yeah, I watched I mean, it when it happened. To be honest, like every Michigan fan's been telling the same joke, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. but but I think for him in his position to say that he had a very tearful Twitter apology that was super classy. Like his Twitter yeah. apology was amazing. You but he it. did when I was watching it live, though. He said like, "This is not what I'm saying," but and he and he said that coaches like I have heard from coaches, and of course by coaches he means Dabo, but. He said, like, I have heard from coaches that some people are doing this. He's like, I'm not saying Michigan is doing this. And then he made, like, a joke. So I don't know. I I watched it, like, live when he said it. And I didn't think it was that bad. But I'm glad that he made a classy apology. Ward was pissed. Ward, R-A-D, Ward Manuel. Oh, I saw that. He was like, like, we've been the winningest team of all time. And, and, like, the fact that, like, our players, they want to play. Are you guys really the winningest team of all time? Still, but not for long. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so here's the two headlines. Yeah. In whatever order you take. So on MGO blog, the forums. Not, quote, not looking good for the game. You am pessimistic. UM folks not optimistic will be able to play OSU next week. And it links to a Detroit Free Press, which is, as you know, the paper of record of Detroit and Ann Arbor. Yeah. Freep 
not optimistic. And so it's an article talking about how like a dozen members tested positive. Mm. Um, there's mm-hmm. a big breakout. Second headline, OSU opens as 27.5 favorites for the game per FanDuel Sportsbook. So just presenting these two headlines side by side, no comment. Um, <laughs> so for happier slash maybe equally sad things, um, okay, you can, can, I, you can comment. You can make Can I say one thing? I, I just, no, I think what's funny though, and, and this is something that Kirk, I think, alluded to too, was that Michigan actually has a big hand in whether OSU gets to play or not in the They're Big Ten change title. The They're going to change the rules. I know they are, but what yeah. I'm as a joke, like, yeah, like yeah. it's funny that you guys, you guys, without even stepping on the field, can have a big hand in in how Ohio State does. But that's not um, Harbaugh style, and not you know Harbaugh know, would rather lose by thirty than. Die. Oh, for sure. Well, and I think anyone too, right? Like you guys fought so hard to play um that like play at all that of yeah. course if you're gonna get to play you're gonna play yeah do you think though um and this is something that dan and ty mentioned you know if you're one of the teams that got to play like got to start in september and you've already played i don't know like eight or nine games and you know your team's not going to go anywhere as as a player who wants to go to the nfl at that point do you think you've had enough like film and tape where you're like, I don't want to risk anything. Yeah. People will start shutting it down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, tell us about the Maui Invitational and uh, your, tell us about the games. Say, I mean, you have all these lovely notes and I think maybe the most interesting thing would be, coming out of it, the outlook. Um, so just take us through. Yeah. Okay. So the Maui slash Asheville Invitational, um, the Hoosiers came out of it 2-1. Um, so our so Providence, we won uh, 79 to 58. Texas lost 44 to 66. And Stanford won 79 to 63. So I'll start with the wins. Um, both of our wins will look good for attorney resume. Um Providence and Stanford, while they aren't particularly great, they are both picked to be in the first half of their respective leagues. Um, I will say our loss to Texas, Texas actually looks really good. Um, they ended up winning the whole thing by beating North Carolina. So I wouldn't be shocked if they're a top 10 team, let alone ending up a top five team. Like that's how good I think Texas is. Okay. So it makes our loss as ugly as it was feel a little bit better. Um, so yeah. I will start off by saying that. So um, just a few comments on the games. Providence, um, 179 to 58. Um, our offense did look better during this game. Um, our shooting improved. And I actually, uh, full transparency, didn't watch this game because I was on a flight um, back back to Chicago. Did you catch the highlights um, or a replay or anything like that? Um, yeah, I just read some articles on it. Um we actually got 75% of our free throw attempts and 35.7% of our threes, which is really good for us. Okay. Um, I'm like, heard, I'm like, uh, neither of those percentages are like, no, like that's, barely median for, for that's, the, that's like amazing for us. Um, maybe, so, well, 35 and seven is pretty good, but like 75 is, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, medium, no, right? our free throws are questionable. 
Um, and that was one thing from the Tennessee Tech game. Our free throws did not look good. But um, anyways, so I think a standout player from this game was Race Thompson, who's a forward. Um, he had 22 points and 13 rebounds, so he had a double-double. Um, going on to Texas, we lost 44-66. to 66, And while our defense looked good, our offense was straight up, and they get an F. Um, you know, they had 0.65 points per possession. Um, they had a record high turnover, low assist numbers. Um, and then they were 23.9% from the field and they committed 14 turnovers. And on top of that, Al Durham got hurt. I think what happened was Texas just came out. They're so good defensively. They're tall, they're long. I, our team was just really overwhelmed and they didn't really mix up the gameplay and so whatever wasn't working just kept not working um so that was very ugly um so we kind of have a swing right providence good texas bad and then we go to stanford which was a, a, a pretty decent win 79 to 63 um trace jackson davis literally showed up like a different person um, he had so much fire in him. He had 31.6 rebounds. He showed emotion um, after every shot. Um, and, and and one thing I've noticed is that, you know, Trace is kind of the leader on the team. When he plays well, things fall into place. When he's not playing as well, um, then, you know, the rest of the team just doesn't. I don't think we have any other true leaders who have really shown that they can step up yet this season. Um, you know, and, 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 Trace Jackson Davis had 17 points for Texas. It's not like he didn't put up anything, but that's just how high the bar is set for him. Um, Armand Franklin, who's our our guard that filled in for Al since Al was hurt, um, he had 15 points and eight rebounds and five assists. So he had a really standout game. Um, So overall, my take is really like we're Jekyll and Hyde and we are kind of like up and down. I'm hoping this isn't the trend for the rest of the season and that we can kind of take what we can from the win from Stanford and keep that momentum going. I hope Texas was like, since they're so good, kind of a one-off right now, I think we look better than last year. Um, The team looks more comfortable and accepting of the roles they're playing. Our defense has consistently looked pretty good um, and our shooting is still bad. Um, So a couple other comments is that I said earlier, where's fantasy, you know, this is the year that he's finally healthy, um, but he hasn't been bad per se, but you know, the against Stanford, he had five turnovers and four fouls um, and has just looked really timid. And I think we will look better once Joey Brunk can come back. So hoping he can for the next game. Christian Lander, our five-star, he's been okay. I wouldn't say he's been a difference maker yet, but it could be he's just super young, still getting used to this level of playing. It's harder. Um, I would say younger big men, yeah. assuming that they're like, size and strength is up to the task mm-hmm. might be easier than that's, a younger okay. guard okay like a point guard yeah um it might just be i easier. think that's fair yeah um but i'm then, oh, not to take anything away from hunter dixonson who looks awesome he looks yeah. like he he could be like second team all big 10 already you know yeah do you think he's gonna get it's is it gonna come down to him and garza for Oh, I, I wouldn't go that far. Okay. Um, I, I'm just saying that he's one of the best big men, but I, I wouldn't say that he he's might, the best. He might get, like, best freshman. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, you know, defensive end, 
but from what I've seen and whether or not he can play like 35 minutes, um, yeah. but he looks very promising. Nice. Awesome. I'm excited to watch. And then you've seen it too. I think you, you can. Yeah. Agree. Oh yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, I think for us in terms of the road ahead, I think it's actually going to be a rough road ahead. <laughs> um, couple of reasons. So we play Florida state next, who is good. I think they're like number 17 or something, but they might be rusty. I heard that like their first game isn't until sometime this week. Like they, they might be rusty. Um, they're starting late. Then we have North Alabama, which I think will win. Um, we have Butler for the crossroads classic, which I think we can win and then big 10 play. And as you know, Jeff, we have a very deep big 10 conference. I think we had the most teams in the top 25, than any other conference and Indiana's schedule. If you look at it is actually tougher than average. So that does worry me a bit. The conference play. I think one thing we don't have to worry about is the home and away situation as much. Um, but, but that goes for everyone, right? It's like an even field for everyone. So um, tougher than average schedule. So, so we'll see. I think it's a toss up. I think we can do middle of the pack, maybe a couple spots better if things pan out well, I do think we can make the tournament, but if we mess up every single Big Ten game, um, then then it won't be good. Do you like um, my new trope of picking appropriate Archie Miller facial oh expressions and yes. body postures to your tweets? They are like it's so funny because one, he is a very funny man, just in terms of mannerisms. Just how game. he looks, he's like a very, very yeah. expressive face and very expressive yeah. body posture. Yes. And like the way you send them, the ones you pick to send are actually so fitting. And I don't know if you did that, do that on purpose or not. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. It just so happens like that. Of course it's in my verse. What do you mean? <laughs> 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 like, that makes no sense. Like, <laughs> just magically happens. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you don't like me, but. <laughs> this is why we don't hang out. Yeah, this is yeah. why we live in different cities and don't hang out. <laughs> um, no, so it's funny because, like, um, I'm sure you've noticed, but like, uh, the uh, the ones that I pick are like always like ambiguous. Yeah, so, like, it's like there's like a clear meaning, but then there's also like a there's also like a um, like it's like there's also an edge to it. Yeah, so that I yeah. always heck are like, um, yeah. Like he, he might be cheering, but his face is like. There's always like a double meaning, and, and oh I yeah, the best part is the his um, um, like pictures of him are capable of bearing those meanings. You know, like like mm-hmm. you can just easily, um, like let me see. So like the one where, um. Christian Lander warming up. It's like I had one where he's raising his hand to say hello to come in the game, but then his mm-hmm. face is like a little scrunched up, not that sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then I hope Stanford can't figure out that we can't shoot. It's like the picture I picked was like, wait, I'm hoping that, but why can't we shoot again? Like what? We can't shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Like the <laughs> and then the the one where it's like he is like doing thumbs up to the Jekyll and Hyde. It was like thumbs up, but his face was like, <laughs> oh my God, are we really Jekyll or Hyde? Like, <laughs> Yeah. But, oh, that was good. Yeah. So they're all like capable of bearing multiple meanings. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, he's he's a great, just like a. I think he's. I think if if you're a photographer, he's like such an amazing subject, right? Oh like yeah. His body and his face, and he's he's also like a handsome man too. So like he's just uh yeah he's like a an amazing. There's like a Archie photo for everything. There is. I think there is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so football update. My super mean co-host said this is all that she put for the show notes. It was <laughs> football update Michigan and football update Indiana. Football update Michigan. Parentheticals, brackets. Haha. Yep. I think that <laughs> kind of just sums it up. Uh, including the two sort of uh, headlines that I just read. So let's move on to the Indiana uh, football update. Like a little bit of recap because there are three games that we yeah. played that you guys played. And then the outlook yep. for the rest of the season, you want to tell us sort of as we were talking about this on the phone during show prep, like just, you know, like just looking back, looking forward, like on the 4th of December, how you think about those games having watched it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So last three games. So um, three weeks ago, we played Michigan State um, and we shut them out on the road 24-0 and won the brass platoon. So during this game, um, we looked really great the first half. I think our offense kind of disappeared the second half, and people were saying, like, why are you taking the, the foot off the gas pedal? Um, our running game wasn't really there. Our defense looks well, great. I think that's more a Michigan State thing than anything else. Like, they're, that's the only part of the team that works, right? Like, their run defense is the only thing that works. Like, they have a stat. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, of all the things that don't work about that team, although – they beat Coach Fitz, so mm-hmm. um, which is amazing for them, um, and not so amazing for Michigan. But uh, but uh, but but yeah, I'm happy for happy for Mel Tucker. Um, they did a good job. But uh, but yeah, that's the only team, only thing that uh, works about that team. Mm, good point. Yeah, um, that was the game. Our, so our defense looked great consistently. We had four MSU turnovers, um, and Thomas Allen. So Tom Allen's son. That was the game he got injured. Um, and it was a pretty bad one. So is he still uh, hurt? I think I'm pretty sure he's still hurt. I think he might be out for the rest of the season. So, um, so that was Michigan state. And then we next stop was Columbus where we lost 30. Oh, wait, you, uh, well, I guess there are four games, right? The Michigan game too. Oh, I do have the Michigan game. I didn't know if you wanted me to talk about it. Well, that's fine. Um, You can talk about it. I, I, uh, I took a long walk, so I, I didn't watch this game. It didn't happen too much to say like well okay on the indiana side i do like we won 38 to 21 and and i have a note here like i don't have to hear about that 24 game winning streak from jeff anymore which is great um Penix completely crush the michigan secondary he's good Um, like he he really like i mean he did that to ohio state too like him and i have such a good connection which I'm really sad about, but yes. Um, so. Oh, 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 yeah. But I was reading sort of Tuttle's like background and recruiting. Like he's a he's highly a touted recruit. Star. Yeah. yeah. From Utah. Yeah. 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 Like Coach Allen's really doing a good job with recruiting. Agreed. Um, but this Michigan game, remember I told you like, I don't, I'm not sold on Nick Sheridan. And this was the game that I was sold on Nick Sheridan. Um, the Michigan game, which is ironic because Sheridan used to play for Michigan. Uh-huh. Um, but I think our defense was consistently still good. So overall, I think IU looked pretty good um, okay. during this game. 
Okay. Um, so Ohio State, uh, this was a, a couple weeks ago. So we lost. Yeah. So I already mentioned, like, yeah. it was, you guys were down a bit and then you got, yeah. got so many, like, interceptions. I don't think yeah. Justin Fields has been intercepted that much, but you didn't really succeed in turning that into that many points. No, we didn't um, succeed. Um, but yeah, you fell down to 35 to seven. Yeah. And then you, like, took all the way back. But there were maybe, like, three or four plays where it was like a drop fumble or like an interception or, you know, you mm-hmm. failed to score or, you know, and do you have my notes open, Jeff? No, I mean, that's so I... crazy. Cause that's literally my notes. I mean, it's good, <laughs> but it's literally my notes. Yeah. Well, sorry for jumping your thing. No, no, it's good. It's good. But, but there are just plays that, you know, plays that, uh, as I said already, like you could have just changed it. Well, it's because I watched a game, so I don't know. Like, <laughs> we're talking about the same game. Like it's not like, we're like <laughs> it's not like we're like simultaneously inventing something. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like this stuff actually happens. Oh, you were like there were drop passes and fumbles, and I'm like I have that too. <laughs> yeah, it was like because IU did that on the field. <laughs> um, but yeah, like one or two plays you could have won. So that that was my and, and you really definitely like it was a coming out party. Regardless of the result, like the nation, I mean, the only did we shock the world? <laughs> no, because you didn't okay. win. But, but I think like you know, the only two football commentator voices that I care about, Dan and Ty of the Solid Verbal, are bought in hundred percent. So, so that's all we need, right? Yeah, I just couple. Of- players this was like the ultimate michael penix ty fry fogel duel duo like yeah. penix threw for five touchdowns and 491 yards and then fry fogel so he was the first big 10 player ever to have back-to-back 200 yard receiving games so he had seven catches for 218 yards and three touchdowns so great dynamic duo there yeah yep um and then last week, Maryland, we won 27 Well, talk about the defense a little bit, too, because you guys oh. had a good defense. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's see. A couple people that I wanted to highlight. I always get them mixed up, but there's Jamar Johnson and then Jerome Johnson. So, and like Jerome's like the big dude and Jamar's like the shifty dude. I'm not sure. So Jerome is the one on the defensive line. Okay. And yeah, then so Jamar Johnson is defensive back. Yeah. So he's probably fast. Small. Okay. I'm just going with that. Yeah, so Jamar, um, he had two interceptions, five tackles, and a sack. And then Jerome, yeah, oh, yeah, he's the big fella. Um, He did really well. So you're right, you're right. He's the big guy. Um, And, you know, I was making a joke that – because Justin Fields, I think, had only had three interceptions in his life. And then um, we we gave him three interceptions during the game. Um, So that was definitely a high – we proved that he was a human and not some super – Superman quarterback that I write about in my show notes. Well, I mean, you say that, but the line is 27 and a half. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, we'll see how they us- do. I was just gonna say, let's see how OSU does tomorrow because they're insisting on playing Michigan state, but we don't know how many of their players are out with COVID. Yeah. But Michigan state sucks. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not allowed to say that because they beat us, but they're not a good team. Uh, tell us about the Maryland game because yeah. I guess maybe you don't need to owe 
Talia an apology? An apology. Yeah, I don't owe an apology anymore. Because <laughs> you um, owed an apology, but you don't anymore. Yeah. So we won 27 to 11. Um, so our, we actually looked pretty sluggish the first quarter. I was not happy watching the game. Yeah, and then Tuttle came in and crushed it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even our defense looks sluggish too, though. So, so okay. So on the defensive end, we looked sluggish. And then Taiwan Mullen got an interception, our guy. We love him, um, which led to, um, you know, that was one of three interceptions. Just um, for we, the record, he's sleek, not husky. Yes, he's sleek, not husky. We're husky. Um, he, we, uh, I don't know who it was, but we got a second interception and fumbled it. So we weren't able to convert it to points. Okay. Um, but the third quarter was really a turning point for our defense. And then on the offensive side, I mean, Penix really struggled the first half of the game. Um, but looking back, I think a lot of us think or know now that he was actually hurt. Yeah. Um, and he actually re- probably re-aggravated his injury um, during the second half. Um, but after he left, Jack Tuttle came in and was five for five for passes. Um, um, so he he passed a little bit. He was accurate in all of them. Our running game actually saved the day. So it's funny because the past couple games, I've said our running game is non-existent. It's non-existent. But this game, was it's what saved the day. It was Stevie Scott, Tim Baldwin, our running backs. And Stevie Scott was even named the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. Um, and, and we actually did a couple interesting like wildcat plays that worked out well. Um, and so, Who's Tim Baldwin? I don't know this name. Uh, it's one of our running backs. So Samson James, who's like our second running back after yep. Stevie, was out. I think he okay. was hurt. And so okay. Tim Baldwin is kind of the next in line. Oh, it's okay. So he's RB3. Yeah. Okay. And he had so, a big game. Okay. And so who are you guys playing? So our game against Maryland is canceled. Originally, yep, we're playing it be, with. It would be helpful as a preview to get your insight, yeah. but it doesn't matter now with COVID. And it was bound to happen, right? Like it was highly unlikely that we would have – it's sort of like, it's your turn. It's your turn to get sick. Mm-hmm. It's your turn to get sick. You know, like that's just mm-hmm. how yeah. this year goes and it's our turn. And um, so who are you guys playing and what are you going to do? I, I don't know what to do. I mean, I don't, I was, I was going to say, I told you before this that I was going to like, uh, um, like take a walk. Yeah. <laughs> but now you don't have to take a walk. Right. Exactly. You should watch my game. That's what you should do. <laughs> what when is it? It is at three thirty Eastern. Okay. Um, uh, on ABC, we got the big channel, the big network. ABC is that like so? That's the ESPN commentating crew. Uh, yeah. I believe so. Yeah. yeah okay. But it's um, a big game. It's Wisconsin. It's a big game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think you guys will win. I mean, it might be worth watching. Um, so here's what I see. So. Wisconsin is on a 10-game winning streak against us. Um, the last time we won against them was in 2002. I actually think IU has more at stake here because, well, the Big Ten is going to cave to OSU, but we realistically, if they follow the rules, could be playing the Big Ten championship. Um, we could be playing for big a top 10 spot, and then we could be playing for a New Year's Six Bowl game slot. Um with this this might be the year. I mean, if there's a year for you guys to break streaks, this would be it, right? Yes. Yes. So I think IU has a lot of stake with this game. Um, Jack Tuttle, as we mentioned, is actually good. He was a four-star recruit. Um, I think 
the offense will get creative and throw in some wildcat type stuff. I mean, Jack Tuttle is good. I, I actually have heard he has a great arm and, you know, pound for pound, Penix might be a little bit better, but not really by a lot. The difference comes down to experience. Um, mm-hmm. I think Jack Tuttle just doesn't have. And I feel and, like Penix has more of a cannon. Like he might be, his yeah. arm might be a little stronger than Tuttle's. So I don't know if you've heard, I'm going to butcher this, but Jack Tuttle doesn't have a lot of experience. I want to say he got sick or something. Um, and yeah, he just doesn't have a lot of experience. I know that his journey has not been the easiest. Um, so he doesn't have as much experience, as much experience as he normally would, even as a backup. Um, and then Graham Mertz, as we know, looks like a Heisman candidate one day and then has mixed performances another day. I I do think our defense is good enough to stop them. Stop. Yeah. He's a young guy. So, yeah. So, so we'll see. I mean, Wisconsin is currently like they have the line, but, um, but yeah, I think we can beat them if we play well. That's good. Well, yeah. I'm rooting for you. Um, Thank you. Any final thoughts as we've hit the 90-minute mark? I feel like we've covered all the things that we wanted to cover. I certainly didn't want to talk about Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm really excited for tomorrow's game. A little nervous, but excited. Um, and I think that's really it. I mean, Purdue is the following week. I think we can beat Purdue. So Yeah, Purdue like just isn't that good, so. I guess the crazy thing is, is two more games, right? Before the, the, the big 10 big, um, the East and West kind of finals. And it's crazy. Cause it literally feels like this season's just started. Um, but it's already like about to end in a few weeks, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. It's all like weird. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, lovely, uh, chatting with you for all of this. Um, yeah. Good luck to IU football and IU basketball. I'll be secretly rooting against Archie because I just love <laughs> making fun of him, but I'm actually rooting for him. Yeah. Um, and uh, hopefully we will do another one of these next week. All right. Sounds good. Um, we can sign off for the night then. Hoo hoo. Yep. Hail.